Fresh water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down. God's stepping up. That's what football's all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the podcast. We are one week away from football season, and life is good. I'm your host, Nick Tully, joined today by Ben and Cody, and we are the podcast. Um, coming to you with our part two of our season preview show. Quick reminder, if you haven't tuned in yet, to check out part one, where Ben and Cody broke down the roster of Clemson's football team this year, taking a look at different position groups and what we expect from our team in terms of player development. And if you did manage to listen to that first part preview already, kudos to you, because that was a hell of a marathon for Cody and I. We were exhausted after that, the two of us having to talk for an hour and 20 minutes. But... It just goes to show how exciting this team is going to be this year and all the many exciting players we have. Because you know what? If we were previewing Wake Forest, we'd have been talking about 30 guys, not 70 or so. <laughs> that was part one. And um, in today's show, part two, we will be looking ahead to Clemson's schedule and our road to the playoff, taking a look at key matchups, who we would expect to face from the Coastal and national opponents in a, in a playoff, and ultimately giving our predictions for this season um, toward the end of the show. Before we get into that, though, guys, you know, very exciting time of year coming into football. Are you planning to attend any games this year? Um, yeah, I'm going to the South Carolina game, and I need tickets. So anybody out there who wants to make a donation, I'll gladly exchange that for a uh, podcast photo op and signature because that's highly valuable on the black market, I hear. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking at the Louisville game, and this is a, probably a good time to mention TigerNet again. Uh, as many people already know or finding us through TigerNet, we're you know very grateful to be in partnership with those guys. Um, it's it's been a great lead in into the season. You know you have David Hood coming out with articles every every other hour it seems um, where you can you know get a profile on Hunter Renfro, see what's going on with Ray Ray McLeod. Um, but most recently, what I wanted to point out was they they've updated their their ticket listing uh, section of their site where you can go in add add a, add a ticket listing or put in a uh, an a request that you want one and it's, it's just a great way to make sure that Clemson fans uh, are giving their tickets to other Clemson fans instead of like the open stub hub market right uh, for I feel, example I feel like I'd much rather if I'm gonna you know pay for a ticket probably above face value if it's a game like global that's in demand you know you feel like a fellow Clemson fans probably not gonna gouge you as much as some random guy on well, StubHub. well right? and Clemson fans sell your tickets to Clemson fans don't don't send <laughs> don't sell them to opponents Right, right, and it's the kind of the spirit of it, and this it allows it to keep it within uh, Clemson circles. At least we hope so. And uh, the, the cool uh, new addition for on the site for 2016 is you can you can uh, get an email notification at, at whatever for whatever category uh, that you've requested. Maybe it's you're looking for parking passes; those are included on the on the site, or uh, it even could be things like baseball and basketball once we get to that part of the season. So. And one other thing to check out on TigerNet: this is in a very exciting time of the season, not just for uh, the football write-ups, but uh, the pigskin profit and his predictions for the season. If you guys haven't seen that hilarious stuff, he just came out on uh, this past week with his predictions for several teams for the season. Hilarious stuff. Um, he does weekly uh, predictions throughout the season. Not exactly sure who it is, but my gut tells me it's uh, David Hood's sense of humor. At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, so, again, check that out. Great stuff on TigerNet. Well, guys, football is back, and um, Clemson's coming into this year with our number two ranking in the AP poll. Our program's in as great a state as we've seen, certainly in, in my lifetime, 
you know, except for the 1981 season, I guess. Uh, we're coming off of five straight 10-win seasons. We've taken down, you name it, in terms of championship coaches um, in the past few years. And re- really recruiting at that championship level of north of 50% of our recruiting classes are in the four-star, five-star range. Um, but we all know, you know, our fan base, and really nationally, there's high expectations on this team. I, I for one, feel like those are, are justified, and I feel pretty good about that in that you know, we have a great combination right now of returning experience and talent, a coaching staff that has really gelled together, um, and a schedule that sets up pretty well. Um, we, you know, on the other hand, though, we certainly have a lot to replace on this team. Clemson sent nine guys into the draft, also graduated some key offensive line pieces, and um, really across the board, we've got a lot to replace. That being said, we also had three key players who have joined this year's team who um, were not playing in the national championship game due to injury or suspension coming back. Uh, so really to get us kicked off here before we get into our schedule, Ben, I wanted to ask you, from what you know about this team, you've, you've dug into the roster pretty deeply. Do you think this team is can be better and will be better than the 2015 squad? Well, they'll be better on offense, that's for sure. Um, defensive side of the ball, that's that's a bit of a question mark, you know. Uh, the team last year was a legitimate uh, national championship team, and it really just came down to, at the end, a little bit of poor coaching with that onside kick, uh, some special teams play, and then we talked about maybe some of the dedication issues. This year, I don't see those things being as much of an issue. The offense is going to be a lot better. We do have some question marks at defense, but we have a lot of talented guys there. So ultimately, yes, I think this team can be better. We're going to have to see how the season plays out. And you talked about... You know, we are playing a lot of new guys, and we're playing a lot of true incoming freshmen. That's not necessarily a reason to be concerned, because we're also recruiting at a very high level. Uh, ESPN did some research a few years ago that found that teams like Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State use the most first-year players um, out of every team in the country, um, playing about 45% of their class. And these are the teams that are competing for national championships, right? We played 14 true redshirt freshmen last year. Uh, could play 11 this year, which would be about 50% of our team. So and it's obviously easier to do that when you don't have a lot of seniors because they're leaving after three years. But this just speaks to the talent level of the guys that we're bringing in. So I wouldn't be worried about that. Can I give the Twitter link version if we'll be better than last year? Yeah. So offense, stellar, maybe the best in Clemson history, maybe the, uh, definitely the best in the nation in my opinion. Defense, going to take a step back. Uh, more discipline, less big plays, um, but in the rankings will fall back. Special teams, huge step forward, um, net positive. I don't think we're going to be Florida State from 2013, but I think this is a better, incrementally better team from I think last that year. Was more than 140 characters, but <laughs> that was like three twitters, you know, <laughs> three tweets, <laughs> three tweets. You did a Tumblr. series of tweets. It's cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, with having said that, Cody, I mean, I think. Not only on the one hand, you got to weigh, is Clemson going to have a better like overall product on the field? you got to look at the climate around you. We're certainly going to do that with this episode. Last year, that Clemson team basically took, took it all the way to the wire. Um, nearly, nearly did it, 15 straight wins. New season, new opponents, you know, new climate in college football. Um, in turn, I want to ask you a question, Cody, about your expectations for this year. As a fan, is this a championship or bust type of year? I think it is, and I don't. I don't. You look at last season, losing the national championship. We were happy in, in some ways to be there. It wasn't like we got blown out. We should have. We feel like we should have won. I think it is championship or bust. Uh, however, looking around 
the rest of the you know part of what we like to do so much, especially during the off season, is calibrate against these other national contenders. And it's like you said, it's so important. Where do you fall in? Where where are you in the pecking order? And I, I think for us, I think for the last two years of college football, there hasn't been a juggernaut again like a 2013 Florida State team. Um, we did a lot of things last year that were very uncharacteristic of a championship team. Um, we didn't, you know, we still made it and we were still good enough to win it. I think much of that holds true for this year. We'll talk about some of the the teams that have maybe higher upside than us, but I think when you return Deshaun Watson, uh, the offense is as complete as it's ever been. I, I would be, I have to say, yeah, we're disappointed if we don't win the championship. We're certainly disappointed, in my opinion, if we don't make the playoff. So, but you wouldn't say that this is the end of our open window, right? The window is not closing this year. The future is still looking good. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm already looking ahead to 2017, and we got a few mentions in the last couple episodes about 2017 where that's shaking out. But, yeah, I think the window is wide open. Well, and a lot of, a lot of over the past two to three years, prognosticators were saying the 2016 Clemson Tiger team was going to be our best shot at, an, at contending for a natty. I still think that that's very true. Um, certainly, we had a tremendous shot last year. That was a bit of a surprise. Maybe we things peaked, you know, earlier than we expected. The defense uh, played better than we thought they may. But it was all based off of Deshaun Watson. We knew from the time he was a freshman, he's a three-year player. So it was 15 and 16, and it this was supposed to be the year. Well, and it's still looking like it could be, despite the losses on on defense. Well, guys, with that, let's transition to our schedule. Um, you know, a lot of people. I, I'm sure they calibrate schedules. I need to look at some of the advanced stats. Uh, but ultimately, I think this is a, a fairly manageable schedule with a couple of spots that we'll talk about here on this show. Our toughest tests really will come on the road. Two of those games, uh, midseason down in Tallahassee, and then starting um, the year next weekend in Auburn. Uh, we also go into Bobby Dodd, where it's been difficult for this team to get a win. Then we have a Friday matchup. We can all talk about what we think about that uh, up against BC and Chestnut Hill. We host the Gamecocks. Um, our, our coastal opponent is Pittsburgh. And then, of course, we also host Louisville, um, which we'll also discuss that game. But really, what we're going to talk about this show is our focus games, Auburn, Louisville, and Florida State, in terms of our regular season schedule. It's really tough to see Clemson losing any of the other games on our schedule, barring a catastrophe, you know, severe injury, that kind of thing. Um, but I want to start with Auburn. Uh, last year, Auburn was the preseason number five team. There's a lot of Heisman hype coming in for quarterback Jeremy Johnson, uh, but he quickly showed that he was not the man. They struggled in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game to beat what was really ultimately a middling Louisville team in the opening game. They nearly lost to Jacksonville State. I think that game went to overtime. Um, Jacksonville State's an FCS opponent. You know, Props to them for, for putting up a good effort, but this is Auburn we're talking about. They should not be going to the wire against that team. Um, Auburn ended the year 2-6 and six in the SEC, what you can really say about their team over the course of the year was that Gus Malzahn's spread attack uh, floundered without a dynamic quarterback in place. And first-year defensive coordinator Will Muschamp really failed to generate a successful defense. I think they had a pretty thin cover with talent on the defensive end a year ago. Um, so this year, um, coming off of all that, Kevin Steele, uh, former Clemson D.C., left Louisville to replace Muschamp when he went to South Carolina to be the head coach. Um, we can talk a little bit about what we think about Kevin Steele coming in, what that means for our game. Sean White was just named the starter for Clemson, although a lot of people expect uh, JUCO transfer John Franklin III, who's a bit more of a 
dual threat quarterback, you could say, um, to, to get some playing time. And then I think just overall for this, this year coming in, you know, fair or not, this is a fan base that doesn't really accept disappointment too well. You know, they could talk about the rivalry with Alabama. Some of that's probably, you know, witnessing their rival have an epic run. You know, they, they need to feel like they're sibling jealousy, sibling jealousy, exactly in the state. And, um, they've run successful coaches like Tommy Tuberville, who was seven and one against Bama, you know, out of town. Um, for not getting over the hump, getting into the BCS championships back in the day. Uh, and then two years after winning the Natty, Gene Chizik was let go. Um, so I, I really feel like Gus, Gus Malzahn's squarely seated on the hot seat coming into this year. Nothing would get him off that hot seat quicker than beating Clemson. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely on the hot seat, and you have to circle this game for him. If they lose this one, then the chatter really starts, and Auburn fans aren't going to be happy, even though they will be playing the number two team in the country. Um, and, you know, Auburn's chances in this game against us kind of depend on three things. Uh, does their star-studded defensive line live up to its billing? Because they have a lot of horses, including guys like uh, Carl Lawson and um, what's the other Montreal one? Montreal Adams. Adams. Both, both guys that Clemson was going after during re- recruiting at one point. Um, so that there's that. Does Clemson commit turnovers? You know, we saw issues with that last year. And then also, does Auburn's run game give us trouble? I don't see us committing the turnovers, you know, especially not at the running back position. I don't expect to see the same amount of interceptions from Deshaun Watson this year. And I don't think they run on, on us. I, I think their biggest threat and our biggest weakness on defense right now is kind of unknowns in the secondary, but it's not in the run game. It's not between the tackles because our d- defensive line, especially our inter- interior de- defensive line, is going to be so stout and our linebackers are going to be really good. I just had one thought on, on Auburn, and that's and it's not about the X's and O's because we'll get into that in just a, a few days. Uh, it's that I I think they're going to have a very middle of the road season, and they're going to they're going to get it's going to be tough for them in the SEC West. But I don't think that's going to mean much in terms of that first game because it's a clean slate for them. Fans are going to be very, like you said, very uh, impassioned. They're pissed off. Their state rival just won the championship, and uh, I think they're going to bring the kitchen sink. And Gus Malzahn, I mean. Let's, I mean, we don't have to talk about this too long, but they did. I mean, they've had a rest where you haven't seen a pun- punishment dole out, you know. So that's they that's how five, bad they that's five off-season incidents resulting in arrests for their players, no suspensions levied. When you look at the contrast between that and Notre Dame and what Notre Dame's doing to their guys, they're getting in trouble. And you see the difference in the in kind of the morale uh, morality of the programs. But yeah, because they know they need guys. Listen. Malzahn is on the hot seat, and that probably goes a lot into his decision-making. He knows they need to get better on defense. They need to get better on offense. They weren't that great on offense last year. They've got experience and depth issues on the offensive line, and that's really going to hamper your offense if you're not good in the trenches up front, and that's where Clemson's going to have the ability to really get after them. Um, yeah, so he may come out with the kitchen sink, and there may be some big plays early. The defense may may break a couple times, but I think once they get their feet up under them, they get the nerves out of them, the defense will really sell, settle in and be able to handle this offense, and the, then our offense will really take over. We just kind of, it would be really helpful to come out fast in this game and take the wind out of the stadium, um, and things will bode a lot better for us. But still, at the end of the day, I, I think we win by two TDs in this game because I think we're that much better than they are. I, I won't give away my prediction, but I, I could see us. I could see us winning, going away. Uh, conversely, I could. I think I've heard um, some of the Bill Connolly, I believe it was, saying if if Auburn is in in the game in the second half and they if they can hang around, they're, they're going to feel like they have a chance to win and they can 
build off of that momentum and potentially. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to know. I mean, this is the first game of the season. We haven't seen either team play yet, so we're not going to know until we see them out on the field. My gut tells me that I know that we're a lot better than they are, but we'll see what they come out with. I mean, Gus Malzahn has, he has a fire lit under him, and if he translated that to this team, if that defensive line plays as good as they can, then we could have a battle on our hands. Guys, finish this sentence. Clemson loses if X. Against Auburn? Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson goes down. That's the only case. I think so. Ben? I think if our our new guys coming into our defense don't perform to the level that we're hoping they will, um, then if Auburn's putting up points, the crowd is into the game, and we go deep into the fourth quarter with a close game, it could be tough on us. Yeah, I mean, I have a similar thought that if we're not putting them away early, if we're not finishing drives with touchdowns, if you know we're going tit for tat with touchdowns because they're able to move the ball on our defense, I think we don't want this to become a fourth quarter game. No, the they road. have one of the best kickers in the SEC, so if it comes down to that, they have the clear advantage. We don't want it to come down to a field goal situation. We're going to go more into Auburn, uh, like I said, in a few days. Looking to Louisville, um, and I know told you've done extensive research I've done a little bit, uh, and let me let me give you just my you know quick spill. The more that I look at them, the more I, I become a little bit more scared of them. Um, I, so Louisville's preseason number nineteen, which um, I think can can you not? Let me ask you do you, do you see them as underrated? I mean, I, I could probably argue the other side. Okay, let's hear it. Um, so maybe I'll take a moment to talk about their 2015 season. I called I, I when I was reading through this. I look at it as case of good, bad, and ugly. Um, the good for them, you know, they, they dazzled in the Music City Bowl against Texas A&M. Um, Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, had a great game against a defense in, in Texas A&M that had really found their footing toward the end of last year. Um, and in general, they have a lot of really st- solid playmakers, you know, establish themselves on the defensive side last year. Um, from the bad, their only wins over winning teams with a winning record were NC State and Texas A&M. Uh, so they ultimately lost games against you know equal or better opponents throughout the year. Houston, Florida State, Clemson, etc. Um, that's you know that's not that doesn't give me tons of confidence coming into this year. Um, Lamar Jackson, we, we mentioned him. We're probably going to spend a lot of this preview talking about Lamar Jackson. Last year, Louisville trotted out pretty much three quarterbacks throughout the year, and Lamar Jackson had the team's worst completion percentage, most interceptions, lowest yards per attempt, and the lowest quarterback rating. And it's not like he was flanked by stud quarterbacks either. Uh, so, you know, that's their guy they're relying on this year um, to lead their team. Didn't really have a, a breakout season but outside they, of the bowl game. They expect big things from him. And we didn't see him in our game last year. I think he just had one rush and one, one pass. But it's, it's not just about him. They returned literally almost everybody to their team. I think they've got like 10 starters on offense and nine on defense. Uh, this is going to be a tougher game than we'd, we'd really like, I think. Um, I think Jackson steps up. Uh, Jamari Staples is a true deep threat, and he's going to test our secondary. Uh, James Quick is talented in How the slot. How long has he been there? I feel like he's been there for 10 years. I don't know. And, you know, half this team is from Georgia, too, so you know there's talent. Um, I just think that I, I, I look at this team, and I think this, their ceiling goes with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, going back to the good bag of ugly, the ugly really was – he admitted to not learning the playbook last year, um, not being able to go through his progressions, not being able to take snaps under center. You know, they're they're really strong or keen on him with offseason progress made. How much of that's coach speak? How much of that's trying to pump a guy up confidence wise? I haven't seen it on the field. Um, 
you know, I probably need to go back and watch that Music City Bowl. A lot of his performances last year, I think, were end of the season. He, he showed flashes of, of greatness. Uh, I think one of them was against Pittsburgh, where they were down by three touchdowns. I mean, and he, you know, I think he filled the, you know, they cut the deficit really quickly with him. And, you know, that's kind of how things go in, in college football when you get a lead. So, like, how much can you take that? And, you know, what's it worth? But talking about a freshman, now now, now a sophomore, maybe he has learned the playbook. I think he's scary. How many quarterbacks do we look at, though, across college football that they have, you know, they have the best, I guess, hopes for their quarterback? You know, Francois from Florida State, Brandon Harris from LSU. Uh, you know, the, the list Guy goes for on. Alabama. I mean, there's a lot of national uh, playoff contenders this year that have a lot of question marks at quarterback, right? Yeah, and, and I guess just the, the point being, it's like, I mean, they really, if Lamar Jackson is what they think he is, that, that is a scary team. It's probably a top 10, at least top 15 team. Do you, I, mean, I mean, would you agree with that? If he hits his potential and their defense coalesces like we think they will, yes, they, they very much can be. I'll say this, though. With the Clemson matchup, like, yes, Lamar Jackson, has, I have question marks about him. If you guys remember, our last two games against them basically came down at the last two minutes of play. Um, two years ago at Clemson, we basically needed a defensive stop from our number one team in the country um, to keep them from going into the end zone. Last year, special teams miscues and some turnovers from Clemson kept them in the game. Well, we got, I think those might be limited this year because we have the game at home. And you can talk about Lamar Jackson as much as we want to and how he played last year versus how he may play this year. But what we're not focusing on here is their offensive line was a disaster last year. They gave up the second most sacks in the nation at 44 sacks. And it's still going to be a weak spot this year. So you can have a good quarterback, but we've seen it in the past with Clemson. If you have a poor offensive line, that's really going to really affect his ability to perform. So I think that's their weak spot. They have the potential to put up points on our defense, but I think I think we're going to exploit their poor offensive line play with our interior defensive line uh, and really stymie their offense. Our defense and their play in the game against Auburn is going to really be a measuring stick coming into this game, so we're going to have a little better feel for how they're going to perform. Again, I think it's going to be a tough game, but at the end of the day, I think we outscore them. Yeah, the difference between last year, that <laughs> Thursday night game on the road with Deshaun Watson still getting comfortable uh, coming off his injury versus a fully functioning Deshaun Watson, better offense at home, Death Valley. I just, I I can't see it being a, I mean, I'm not saying, they're going to be a good team and they, they could beat us. Uh, if I'm Florida State though, I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I can almost say I'm almost as worried about playing them at Louisville versus playing Clemson at home. I think, because I think they have that kind of potential, but good point about their offensive line being a weakness. It does bode well for us that our great, one of our greatest strengths is our defensive line or at least interior defensive line. Right, and the ability to put pressure on the quarterback from the interior of the line, and where, that, where we might still have some question marks on the ends. And that could make him make mistakes back there, right? Force mistakes, force the ball out of his hand early, could have a couple interceptions and really uh, diminish uh, their ability in, at, at the receiver position because they do have a strength there. We can certainly make them one-dimensional as a passing team. They can cut off their, you know, between the tackles running game. However, if Jackson is what we think he could be, he could also beat us on the outside. So is Austin Bryant going to be back? We need those defensive ends that can make plays in space. That'll be crucial because if he if they can you know use that element of the game to extend drives, uh, it could be a long night for us. Is Mark Fields going to be able to step up and make some tackles there on the outside too? Right. Um, maybe we can take a moment to talk about Louisville's defense. I feel like they're, this this may end up being the strength of their team overall. Um, they did send a couple guys into the league, but. Um, Ultimately, Card Chronicle, their sort of SB Nation affiliate site, 
thinks that their secondary is actually going to be ultimately the strength of this defense. I think it's going to be their two preseason All-ACC linebackers uh, who lead the way. Um, that is Devontae Fields and Keith Kelsey, um, both you know very highly touted coming into this year. Um, and they also return a very strong nose tackle um, along the defensive line. So I think like this defense is definitely one that you know, if Clemson isn't finishing drives or doesn't get on top of early, <clears throat> can kind of push us around a bit. Um, and that's something that we're going to need to find ways to exploit, you know, a young and talented secondary that they think is going to develop well. Um, Ty Grantham's their defensive coordinator. He came over from Georgia two, three years ago. He's basically a secondary guy, so I definitely expect him to develop them. So it's funny because this, I think the defensive side of the ball is where all their Georgia transfers come into play. Uh, so aside from the linebackers that you talked about, you know they got free safety Josh Harvey Clemens. He's going to be tough to deal with, and then D'Angelo Brown replaces Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins is a big loss, but D'Angelo Brown's is a possible NFLer. So they have four potential NFL draft picks on this defense. So they're not going to be a pushover. Not at all. It's it's from top to bottom. That's probably their biggest strength. Uh, and w- one reason Florida State should be worried when they play them if if uh, Francois hasn't fully developed, if he's still working out his kinks. And that game happens in week three. Right, right. I mean, that's something that could be a huge theme of the season. I'm kind of angling towards this. You can probably see it. Um, Louisville could escape with one loss in the ACC. Uh, Clemson could uh, obviously come out with one loss in same for Florida State, but not going quite there yet. Bobby Petrino. He is an amazing coach. That's the one thing we don't fully consider. We're looking at their team, their talent, their returning starters. Bobby Petrino, for all of his uh, off, uh, you know, off the field shenanigans or whatever, is a great football yeah, coach. Yeah, when he's focused on football, he's really good at what he does. He's, I mean, look at his track record. Everywhere he goes, he's successful. Uh, he generally outperforms expectations. Takes less talent, makes it, you know, what is it? The sum of the parts is, is usually uh, nets out better. Yeah, and I'll just say, I mean, <clears throat> a couple years ago, we were looking at this ACC Atlantic and just saying, like, who else, who, who else is there? And it's, it's really been nice to see Louisville, you know, come, up, come in, come into play and really become more relevant. Well, they're still in that second tier, though, right? Oh, well, yeah, they're in the second tier, I think, with them in North Carolina. But it's good to have a team that was brought into the conference mainly to help football to actually help football. <laughs> As opposed to, yeah, you know... They're probably a, a hybrid, hybrid play with basketball, too. But I agree. Um, we didn't see that too Although much question, from the big, Questionable big moral character with uh, both of the coaches on those programs there. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, to put a, you know, a finer point on this Louisville um, section here, home game for us, probably going to be a night game. Ideally, we're undefeated coming to that game off of Auburn. Um Cody, under what circumstances do you think this game, you know, gets close late, like the last two have? Um, it's it's all like it all goes back to Lamar Jackson. He's the X factor. If he is giving our defense trouble, um, and like like you said, Ben, it's not going to be because they're going to be running, you know, down our throats. It's going to be because he's making plays on the outside, extending drives, getting plays, uh, getting the balls to the wide receivers that are really good playmakers, uh, exploiting what we hope is not a potential weakness at cornerback, uh, the field cornerback position. Um, and the loss of Austin Bryant too. I mean, th- this really assuming he's not back, that would be that would be huge. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just the Louisville game; it's the Georgia Tech game and the Auburn game too. I think that's that's where we're going to see uh, the biggest downside of missing him. I think their defense is going to have a hard time, just like any defense is going to have a really hard time with our offense, and that'll probably be the difference if it goes into a shootout. And this will be five but, games into the season, so the yeah. offense should be really clicking at this point. I also, I mean, I so. the way I look at this. We have a sophomore, a true sophomore quarterback who admitted to not 
you know, fully grasping what they're trying to do on offense. They can cater. Last year it was a it was a quarterback competition. He's a clear in a way, you know, favorite to lead this team this year. He's been the, named the starter, so they're designing the offense more more towards his skill set. I still think he would have to play a mistake free game to keep them in this and have a chance at upsetting Clemson at home. I just don't see that from a sophomore quarterback. I think Brent, what Brent Venables can do from a scheme standpoint, we, we've got great defensive talent. A couple question marks, certainly. I just don't know if Lamar Jackson's skill set sets up to exploit our defense's key weaknesses. Well, again, it'll be five games into the season, or that'll be the fifth game into the season at that point, so we haven't seen anybody play yet. At that point, we'll know a little bit more. A lot could change, but I, I would agree. Venables will... I think he's going to come at Lamar Jackson, and even if he has to sell out, he'll he'll do it just to get a few hits on him, and that might be enough to rattle him. Indeed, um, and you know you can't say enough about what we'll, we'll need from the linebacker play, both in keeping the zone read contained um, and making tackles so the drives don't get extended. Um, it seems like coming in, they might have the edge in terms of talent and hype for their linebacker core, but you know our guys could could ultimately be the MVPs in this game. Guys, I want to pivot to the opponent you mentioned, Louisville's Week 3 opponent, Florida State. Um, ultimately, I mean, I think either of these first two teams could make it a game with Clemson, but this is the game that all fans should have circled on their calendars as the real test of the 2016 season for Clemson. This is a game we could ultimately find ourselves losing. This is a road, tough road one in Tallahassee, um, middle of the season. Both teams essentially coming off a bye week headed into that, uh, but... Let's profile Florida State for a moment. Their 2015 team, end of the year, 10-3. and three, Two ACC losses, one to Clemson, one to Georgia Tech, in crazy fashion at the very end. Uh, they lost a game in the Chick-fil-A Bowl to Houston um, to a team that had much more to prove than they did in that game. So I'm sort of taking that result aside. But Wait, are you saying Florida State didn't want to be there? I think they had some injury issues, uh, maybe some motivational issues too. Sean McGuire, prominently featured in that game. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Um, <laughs> Florida State reloaded. I mean, this is pretty much, they're back. This is your daddy's Florida State team. Um, they came in, or they're coming into this year with the number two recruiting class in the country. Some would argue it might have been the, the best recruiting class. Um, they really reloaded. In addition to that, um, they have a lot of guys coming back with serious game experience, returning nine starters on offense, Five on defense. They've got a lot of game-tested depth um, coming back, and you know, by my by my assessment, if if 2015 was a rebuilding year, going 10 and three is pretty solid um, in any type of rebuilding project. So I think that just shows you the state of their program under Jimbo Fisher, elite recruiter, elite talent developer, um, and they really have a lot of um, strong coordinator talent there as well. It's a pretty well-oiled machine down in Tallahassee. Yeah, no, it's. It's no surprise. I mean, for, for clear reasons, Clemson and Florida State are the elite class of the ACC and, and also a reason why national writers are talking about how these two teams could both make the college football playoff. And, yeah, they're returning five on defense, but they also have sev- several reserves uh, mm-hmm. who have starting experience that are stepping into those starters' roles this year, so even a bit more experience than that. And you talked about the recruiting. They've averaged the third-best recruiting class over the last five years, so this – even though they may not have some guys in some positions coming back, they're locked and reloaded. They have tons and tons of talent. Ben, um, when, we, when we look at this team, let's maybe start on the on when they're on offense, we're on defense. 
where do you see them making their bones against Clemson? Well, it, I mean, this offense all starts with Dalvin Cook. He was the best running back. When healthy, he was the best running back that I saw play last year. I was amazed at what he could do. Seven point yards, uh, 0.4 yards a carry as a sophomore. And this was with a really inconsistent and injury-plagued offensive line. So I mean, you saw him gash us uh, early on in the game that we played them last year. He battled through some hamstring and ankle injuries, underwent shoulder surgery in April. If this guy can stay healthy watch out he's a legitimate Heisman contender and he's going to be the best running back in the country he kind of reminds me of CJ Spiller uh not necessarily in his skill set uh there is one thing that's very similar it's his elusiveness he can get to the second level and when he does you just won't catch him like if he gets past the linebackers and we saw that last year he's gone uh you're just not going to catch him and he's got this low center of gravity he can still even though he's kind of small he can run between the tackles really well um, this guy definitely scares me, and we do expect their offensive line to be better uh, this year. They they have just like they have 19 guys on on scholarship on their offensive line, so they don't know who the guys are. Some some of the spots aren't solidified, but yeah, it's, it's one by of those October things. 29th, they'll yeah. have that figured out. Well, they'll have answers. It's yeah. seven guys returning with starting experience, and again, it wasn't necessarily because lack of talent. While they were inconsistent last year, a lot of it had to do with injuries, right? And. I think uh, with Dalvin Cook, uh, if he if he's in a, he does he's a little bit injury plagued, uh, so that could be something if we get to that point in the season and he's still around, uh, it, could, it could it could work for us. The one thing where we could potentially uh, kind of counter his amazing playmaking ability would be linebacker speed. You talked about it a little bit, Tully. I think Alex Scrap may have mentioned this to you. A little bit more athleticism, uh, sideline to sideline, lateral quickness with Kendall Joseph. Um, maybe Dorian O'Daniel can can provide that little extra boost of athleticism at strong side. Uh, you know, Ben Bulware, I think his if he can remain a little bit healthier, he'll he'll play better. Um, and I think he's a little bit he's lost some weight, five pounds lighter. So maybe he's working on that athleticism as well. I think what your earlier point was not letting Cook break through that second level, sort of keeping contain on him into his original running lanes. You know, keep it to three four yards of carry, not seventeen yards or to the house right because i mean there's not really a whole lot of in between once he once he gets past that seven yard mark it's it's over he's you're not catching him um elsewhere on offense i mean we off season was all about who's going to be the starting quarterback i think maybe it was more of a media drummed up controversy here between um, veteran now senior sean mcguire and redshirt freshman deandre francois um due to what I believe was um, a foot injury to um, Sean McGuire. seems like Francois is the default starter here coming into the year. Um, reports of Sean McGuire's recovery, I think it was a stress fracture in his um, right foot, uh, which I guess was his support base foot um, for throws. They, they think he's coming back sooner than like four to six week timetable. Um, so who knows, you know, Francois as a true sophomore may not learn the offense and Maybe McGuire by the time we see him, but you know, for now it's Francois. He's the man. I expect him to retain that position and to be facing the Tigers in late October. Uh, Cody, let me ask you. I mean, from what you've read about DeAndre Francois, we haven't seen really too much of him outside of spring game. What what about his game worries you? compared to what we've got on the defensive side of Clemson. Well, their ultimate upside is with DeAndre Francois. They, they are a national championship contender, make no mistake about it. And But it's I don't think it's with Sean McGuire. I think it's with Francois. They don't know what they're going to get. He's still he's still young. I think he's a redshirt freshman. 
uh, got a great great arm. Um, he is an African American quarterback, but it doesn't mean he's a, really a true dual threat. He's mostly arm with some escapability. Um, and I think, but I think that's enough in their system. They got some big-bodied receivers on the outside who they think are going to take a step forward this year. In that pro style, you know, you gotta you gotta have someone that gets them the ball. They haven't really had that since Jameis Winston. Um, so if, if they can kind of mesh those two together with an improving offensive line, um, all-world Dalvin Cook, it could be a scary offense. But just as well, it could also be a very above-average offense if that doesn't work out for them. I honestly think that the best thing that could have happened to Florida State is for Sean McGuire to go down and Francois uh, being thrown in there right away because ultimately, like you said, Cody, I think their ceiling is higher if Francois is in there. If if McGuire's the one that has to lead this team throughout the season, I don't think that they are as much of a threat or a contender as they might be otherwise. Well, and he'll be battle-tested early. He's got Ole Miss. You know, they've turned over the Kimdiche brothers and some other defensive players this year. Uh, but they face them week one. Week three, they go up to Louisville. So, and Papa John's on a probably a night game is, is can be a hostile environment to play. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be battle tested. We saw Jameis Winston, you know, face similar situation. He he took care of business against Clemson. Francois is not on the talent level of Jameis Winston. He doesn't have the pedigree. Um, unlikely to be as successful or as prolific. That being said, uh, he's got. You know some of the same skill sets as Winston. He's a bit more has a bit more escapability, as you mentioned, Cody, than Winston. Maybe a little less accuracy. Um, great arm strength, and seems like they have some returning receivers that are are able to, you know, harm, um, you know, challenge a Clemson secondary that's got some question marks of its own. Yeah, I mean, tons of talent around him uh, at the playmaker positions. We already mentioned Dalvin Cook. A wide receiver, though, you got Travis uh, Rudolph, who was a legitimate uh, number one guy. You got Kermit Whitfield coming back and Bobo Wilson. Uh, not to mention uh, wide receiver Auden Tate, who's going to make a big splash this year. Um, he's a tough uh, guy, really open eyes with his ability, with his ability to create uh, mismatches, mismatches. And then throw that in with tight end Ryan Izzo. Um, it's really going to deepen their options this year in the downfield passing game, which they struggled with last year. Right, and I've said it to you guys before, It's some of these receivers will look like first-round picks like Kelvin Benjamin when the right guy's getting in the ball. You mentioned Jameis Winston being accurate. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than accuracy when, when, you know, uh, when it comes to Jameis Winston. But if you got a good quarterback like Francois that is that is that does find his groove and, and, and can get those balls to the bigger receivers, it's kind of like Mike Williams. They'll, they'll win a lot of those 50-50 balls. So... Uh, Lot, lot to it's it's a lot to uh, to ask for him to catch on and be even anywhere close to Winston. But if he does, it's scary. I don't think Winston necessarily had some of the other weapons around him, such as Dalvin Cook, from a running back perspective. Um, so in a way, that can take a lot of pressure off of a Francois. He doesn't need to be necessarily setting the tone for the offense. Um, he just needs to make his plays when when it when it comes to that. I think for for Clemson, maybe let's talk about the matchup here. That's how we can expose this Florida State team. That's how our defense can keep our team in the game is disrupting what he does, forcing turnovers, forcing him into, you know, quarterback-driven sacks, that kind of thing. Right. Is that going to happen? I'd say higher upside with with Francois, but also lower ceiling um, in the case that he does turn the ball over. The advantage that Florida State has um, with this game being later in the year is that 
uh, Francois is going to be battle-tested at that point. He's going to have more time to get acclimated to the system, and he's going to be ready to go. On the flip side, that also means that our defense and a lot of the question marks and young guys that we have in a lot of those positions are going to be battle-tested as well. So I think it benefits both teams equally, and there's going to be a lot of hype at that point in the season. It's going to be a great matchup. Ben, if, if you had to name maybe one or two Clemson roster players on defense that you know are going to be critical to shutting down their offense, who do you see that being? Well, we're going to need to see our defensive ends uh, really flourish. Uh, uh, Cleveland Farrell is going to have to live up to the height. Austin Bryant's going to need to come back healthy. Hope, hopefully Yergin really takes off. It, or it could be Christian Wilkins is dominated that position by then. Well, hopefully not, because we still like to rather have him at defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And then does Mark Fields or somebody else step up at that field uh, corner position? And then also at linebacker, really need Dorian O'Daniel to take off and live up to, to what his potential, what we think it is. Yeah, again, the margin for error with Dalvin Cook is very small. Uh, you, you get out of place, you get just you know, two feet to the right when you should be to the left, and he's gone. So uh, that's a big part of it. It's going to be a team effort to contain him, and then you have all right. those other wide receiver talents to worry about. It's going to be it's going to be a tough challenge. I'm with you, though. Defensive ends, we need a healthy Austin Bryant, and uh, it, we need Cleveland Farrell to be what they said he's he's been. So it sounds like there's an opportunity for Florida State to score score on Clemson here. Uh, I want to flip flip the script to when Clemson's got the football, and conversely, when Florida State's defending, Cody, you know, you're. I think you gravitate more toward studying defenses and knowing like where their their strengths lie. A lot to like about this Florida State defense, right? If you're this, a Noles fan. This defense gave us a lot more trouble than the Alabama defense did last year. I think that's because where Alabama was super physical, uh, Florida State combines a lot of athleticism and speed, and it, it starts with their defensive line, which is just maybe one of the best in the nation. It's going to be well, – look, we're, we're going to have our hands full with defensive lines. From Auburn, they have a great one. That might be – that's the best point of their defense. Uh, Louisville's going to have a great front seven. And now uh, Florida State, they, they take the cake. It doesn't get any better than that. Re- luckily, we have a great offensive line, but they will be put to the test – uh, their defensive ends can make plays out in space, which can kind of mitigate some of Deshaun, Wat- Deshaun Watson's uh, you know biggest strengths. And then, and when you saw it last year, it took us a while. You know that was when Deshaun was finally finding his groove. But uh, it took plays and moments of greatness for him for us to score twenty three points, which was what that's what it took to win the game. But yeah, and it, I we talked about this in sort of some of the weaknesses translating to this season from last year. Um, I think this is where some decision-making on Deshaun's part is going to come into play with uh, both not taking bad sacks, um, obviously interception throws, but you know, end-of-quarter situation where you've got to clock the ball and we've got to at least take a shot for a touchdown versus settling for a field goal. I think having another year in the system, another offseason, not to focus on rehab, but to focus on you know building strength and learning playbook and really simulating some of those end-of-quarter situations uh, or end of half situations, I think it's going to help Deshaun. Uh, but ultimately, it is going to be about you know not making mistakes on this offense. And looking at their secondary, I talked about their defensive line. They have some just freak freak athletes. In Derwin James, starting with Derwin James, who might be one of the best players in the country, uh, regardless of position. And you know, so some safety, a true sophomore coming back, had a phenomenal freshman campaign. Second on the team in tackles as a freshman last year. Just a yeah, freak athlete, with future first round pick. Team. Yeah, with Jalen Ramsey, but luckily he's departed. Uh, I think that makes it. We talked about Deshaun Watson's precision and the smaller margin of error. 
those guys can make plays, and they will intercept the ball if you if you leave it uh, to the wrong shoulder of the receiver. No, they they do have questions at linebacker after losing uh, Reggie Northrup and uh, Terrence Smith last year. So that if, if we're looking for a weak spot on their defense, it is there. <laughs> That's it. So if we can get at least in our running game to the second level of the defense, or get some stuff going across the middle, maybe disguise some stuff on the outside with Mike Williams, Artavis Scott, get Renfro coming across the middle. That's how we can be, uh, begin to pick apart their defense. Not to mention Jordan Leggett. He could be a big uh, weapon in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you mentioned Leggett and Wayne Gallman could both play critical roles in this matchup. Um, I feel like, yeah, tight end in general is something that um, will be, I think, critical to exposing that middle of the field, as you mentioned. Uh, is this a situation where also they do have a lot of speed on their defense? Is that where... The likes of Artavis Scott or dare I mention Tavian Feaster, um, you know, can go speed speed on speed against this defense. The question is is I know we'll be later into the season, but do you still trust Tavian Feaster at that point in a big game situation like this? Because looking at our schedule, this is the biggest game uh, in the entire regular season. And I kind of go the opposite route instead of uh, speed to combat speed. I say it's Deshaun Watson uh, making very precise and accurate passes to bigger-bodied receivers like Jordan Leggett, well, who's tight end, but Mike Williams, pass De- Deion Kane, pass catchers, right? Uh, Deion Kane. Um, but I, I think that's how they're gonna. I, I, this is you mentioned the linebackers being their weakness when. It's going to be maybe the best offense against the best defense in the country. Uh, one of the, at least one of the best defenses in the country. It's going to be a game of chess. What you saw against Alabama, uh, where the little weaknesses, which their linebacker position, when you're playing at that high of a level, Tony Elliott, you gotta you gotta know where to move the guys. You gotta see their weaknesses and exploit them. Yeah, for me, ultimately, if they beat us, it's because essentially their defense is better than ours. I don't think it's going to be an offensive slugfest. I think if it is, that actually puts us at a disadvantage. I'd rather not see this game get into the 30s, which means our defense is not really playing that well. Um, it's going to be a battle. Um, you know, it was a slugfest last year. It'll be a slugfest again this year. Um, and unlike other, some other games on our schedule, I just don't think our offense is going to be able to carry our defense to, vic- to victory like, you know, you're going to see with some other teams. Don't forget, it's Doe Campbell. Uh, don't underestimate that Florida State home field advantage. Defense is going to have to step up, but by that point in the season, I think that we're going to have enough question answered, questions answered, enough young guys with experience um, in the game that they're going to be ready for it. Yeah, it seems like you know, offensive advantage goes to Clemson, defensive advantage to Florida State. It's a matter of how much variance you have between those. Um, maybe the weaker position groups. And unfortunately... I give the advantage to the team with the stronger defense when they're the home team. We could go into Florida State and lose to them, and this is going to be I don't know hard for counterintuitive. We'll say we could lose to them and still be the best team in the country. We could lose to them by a tight margin and still be okay with that, and still be the best team in the country. Well, let's put a pin on that because I want to discuss if that plays out. Where does that leave Clemson's aspirations and ceiling on the season? But to wrap up with Florida State here, guys, I mean, I think we all, you know, you can probably tell in the tone of our voice, this game is um, concerning, at the same time, very exciting to have such a such an awesome game on our schedule that we can look forward to all year. Let's not look ahead from the other matchups we mentioned that matter, but this is really the one we're circling. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be watching as much Florida State ball, probably as Clemson ball, just to see how their talent is developing, you know, throughout the season. Essentially... If when we get to their game, our defense has been playing really well, feel confident. 
if our defense has been suspect throughout the season by the time we get to that game, we need to be a little bit afraid. So, guys, for the sake of argument, let's say Clemson is victorious in Tallahassee. We take care of business elsewhere on the schedule, and we win the Atlantic, and we're moving on to Charlotte um, for the ACC championship game. Cody, do you think there's anyone in the Coastal that can upend North Carolina's perch? I don't think so. The more that I look at North Carolina, the more that they become the clear favorite for me. I, I, I mean, they have a really, really good offense. I mean, assuming Mitch Trubinsky, the the heir apparent from Marquise Williams, uh, can step in and be as good as they think he's going to be, which they think he might even be an upgrade, then that is a that's a good team from top to bottom. Uh, it's a good offense, excuse me, from top to bottom. Playmakers on the outside, um, a good offensive line, a, a good running back. I almost compare them to a poor man's Clemson. I yeah. mean, look at look at it. They're quarter, well, maybe not the quarterback, but the offensive line's almost as good as Clemson. The wide receivers almost as good as Clemson, and probably a draw when you come when it comes to running back. Um, but at the end of the day, they strike me very much as like a Big Twelve team where a lot of offense, defense is going to be suspect. I guess the one thing they have working in their favor as far as their defense is Gene Chizik is actually a really good defensive coordinator. So, I, I, yeah, back to your original question, I think that they're definitely a formidable foe, and I don't see anyone upseating them from the Coastal. Yeah, no, their offense is going to be as good, if not better, than what it was last year. Um, I know they're replacing a quarterback, but listen, Trubisky, he's a fourth-year player. He was the number one dual-threat quarterback in the 2013 class. So this kid's got a lot of potential, and they're feeling really good about him. He's a capable runner and a very accurate passer. You mentioned Elijah Hood and the wide receivers they got, and their offensive line is going to be talented and very, very deep this fall. So that really kind of squarely puts it on the defense, and we asked ourselves the question, how can they improve from what they had last year? You mentioned Gene Chizik, so they have a really good defensive mind leading that group. Um, the line, their defensive line should be very improved over what it was last year. They have uh, three potential all-conference players on that line. Um, they returned three key guys in the secondary. So they've got a little bit more experience this year. Um, they were a little lackluster with the rush defense and pass rush. They'll have to get better at that. But looking ahead to an ACC championship, possible ACC championship game matchup, uh, again, a rematch, they're going to be a lot tougher to beat than they were last year, I think. Any chance they come into that game undefeated like they were a year ago? I have to look at their schedule. So they open with Georgia. I'm sorry, they, they had one loss. They lost to South Carolina. Right, right. So in this in this case, they open with Georgia, and everyone's penciling Georgia in to beat them. And I would, I'm, first of all, I'm going to be wearing Tar Heel blue that day because I really hope that would be a big, big win for the ACC. Um, I have to look through their schedule, but I don't think anyone in the Coastal really scares me. Um, they, so very, they, they very well could be undefeated coming into that. They play at Florida State. They play at Miami. So those are going to be a, tuple, a couple tough games. When they play you know, at Duke, and Duke's no pushover right now. I mean, I know they're no you know, North Carolina, but they're not what they used to be. Right, and I didn't realize they played at Florida State. So I, I definitely see that as a loss for them. <clears throat> well, so UNC, clear favorite. I think that's what national writers and the AP believes as well. What other teams might upset the apple cart in the Coastal? I think Miami. Listen, I know the perception was that they really struggled last year, and then we go out and beat them 58 to nothing. They end up firing Al Golden. But they ended up like they were 8-4 and four heading into their bowl game, which they ultimately lost to Washington State. So to go through all that turmoil and still come out with a pretty decent record, they played FSU close. Um they could be a better team under Mark Rick this year. They got a really tough schedule. They're playing 
games uh, versus FSU, and then at North Carolina, at, at Georgia Tech, again versus Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. So a very tough schedule, but they do return a lot of guys, about 10 on offense, 7 on defense. And again, a, a new coach in Mark Rick, who has proven to ha- put together good football teams. My thing with them is, though, is this going to be too much of a culture shock right away? Can the current guys buy into kind of what Rick brings to the table as far as culture? Um, I think they're going to be formidable in the future, but we're going to have to wait a couple years until he gets some of his guys in there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, future is bright for Miami's football program at the moment. Rick is already making a lot of waves with recruits through social media. He seems to be a very player-oriented coach down there, which is something that, in a way, it was kind of Al Golden's way or the highway previously. Um, so I think it's been a good transition overall for Miami's trajectory. I share your sentiment, Ben. I don't know that 2016 is the year that they they emerge and put it all together. That being said, they've got a bit of an X factor in Brad Kaya, their quarterback, who uh, didn't really show us much in the Clemson game in that he went down on, I believe, the first or second series um, to a shock loss and sack. Um, so we didn't get to see him finish that game. That definitely changed the pace of that day, um, leading to Clemson's blowout win. But Brad Kaya, super talented quarterback, might even be the top, you know, number two quarterback in the conference. Some people are even penciling him in ahead of Deshaun Watson in terms of pro caliber readiness for the league, readiness to adapt to an NFL-style offense. Um, we don't need to debate that now. We'll do that later. But ultimately, Brad Kaya could be a difference maker for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look to another team like Virginia Tech. They're making a coaching change as well, brought in Justin Fuente, a guy who a lot of people are really excited about. But they're doing a bit of a facelift this year. They're going to move away from a more conservative approach on offense that they had under Frank Beamer uh, to more up-tempo. And I think that's going to take a little while. They need to get some talent in there. A smart move, I guess, by Fuente retaining uh, Bud Foster. I mean, He's been there since 1987. It's kind of like the stadium. He just comes with the program. Yeah. Was it 96? I mean, he, I think he became D.C. in 96. Yeah, but he's been um, around the program right. since like 87. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they'll have a good defense, but it's going to take a while for them to recover. And then another team, uh, Georgia Tech, who is actually on our schedule. I know we look at them. They were 3-9 and nine last year, 1-7 and seven in the ACC. But, you know, we're traveling down to Atlanta. And you mentioned how hard that is earlier. Short week, too. Tully, on a short week. And this is that, still that triple option. I mean, Georgia Tech's not the team they used to be. I kind of think that Paul Johnson and his gimmicky-type offense is kind of starting to go extinct. But don't look past this one just yet because Atlanta's a tough place to play. I, can't, I didn't go in the other direction. I say, what is the, uh, what is the anecdote for, uh, for Georgia Tech and their triple option? I think it's Brent Venable's defense with the, the caliber of player that we've now recruited. I don't worry about that one as much. The short week, yeah, there's something to be said for that, but their defense isn't very good either. And I've heard, you know, our offense is pretty solid, so I'm not. I think that I think we'll be just fine. In that but game. we're a short week with what Troy before them, I think. Troy or SC State, so mm-hmm. you can look past them a little bit to get ready for that that offense. Well, by and large, it seems like that um, North Carolina at Miami scheduled date is going to be massive for the coastal and who navigates that schedule. We'll, of course, be keeping a close eye on that in that we don't we play neither of those teams during the regular season, um, so we'll have to see who's coming out of the Coastal. Um, with that said, I mean, I, I like our chances against either of those teams in a championship game. North Carolina may be better than they were a year ago, but I think as we touched on at the beginning of this show, Clemson, you know, it sets up to be better than we were at the beginning of last December. Yeah, we're, we're not a shoe-in 
to win the ACC if we get past Florida State. Looking, uh, staring down the barrel at North Carolina, that's that's a very tough opponent. Now to flip that, the other Carolina, South Carolina, a team that's not in the ACC but still in our schedule, is it worth talking about them? What do you got? I, I don't think so, but go ahead, Ben. <laughs> you're, I feel like you're going to. <laughs> well, we have to talk about them a little bit because they are our state rival, and you know we did suffer through the five-year losing streak, and it's just kind of amazing to see the fall that's taken place since then. You know, they they left, um, they went, went out last year, went three and nine. Spurrier quit on them, only won one game in the SEC. And it's, it's just kind of a sad state of affairs right now. You know, they named their practice facility after Spurrier, then Florida goes and names their field after him. I mean, they're just naming things after somebody else's legend at this point, trying to hold on to any sense of uh, victory or pride. You know, they have Will Muschamp in there. He's good at some things. He's a good recruiter, but he hasn't really done a lot with talent. He didn't do a lot with it at Florida. So, you know, looking into this season, last year was kind of the deconstruction year. This is the beginning of the rebuilding, I'd say. But our game against them uh, right after Thanksgiving this year, it could be a 63-17 to type beatdown. Um, there's just a huge lack of talent on both sides of the ball for them. I would say from a higher level how this game is helpful is if we do need to blow them out, but also having those – uh, head-to-head or mutual opponents if, if we get into a scenario where we, where we are a one-loss, we're trying to go up against a SEC runner-up, we'll say Florida, we'll say Georgia, we'll say Tennessee, uh, and maybe we, we outperform them versus South Carolina, maybe it's helpful. But that's aside from that and maybe a few bragging rights, which we don't get to really partake in out here in California – uh, and I don't think the game really has a whole lot of meaning. I mean, it's going to be a, sm- it's, a whole lot of significance. It's going to be a small glimpse into their future of what they have at quarterback with uh, Brandon McIlwain. But, again, other than that, just not a lot of weapons. Brandon Wilds is gone, inexperienced at wide receiver. I mean, hell, on defense, their best guy on the team, like one of the few guys on that team that could actually start at Clemson, Sky Moore, out for the season with a neck injury. Yeah, You, you kind of see the, the end of the Spur era where right. recruiting was not a priority. It's definitely you see in the, the the issues that are kind of happening now. It's because of a lack of talent. And we'll see what Muschamp can do with a second chance. But I, if I'm South Carolina, I don't feel good about it because if he can't do it at Florida, what's what's he going to do at South Carolina? Steve Spurrier, you saw what he did at Florida. Could he do the same at South Carolina? No. Is Will Muschamp a Steve Spurrier? Don't think so. Guys, I want to pivot us here as we near the hour mark to the national conversation and looking ahead at the college football playoff. Who's going to end the year right around that top five ranking um, where the committee will ultimately decide whether or not teams get in? Um, We'll kind of turbo around the landscape of college football here. Um, We convene and discuss this, and um, we really aren't seeing a a top five team emerging from the Pac-12 at this point. Uh, We'll kind of go west-east here as we go along, but um, certainly it's going to be a conference. There's elite position groups, but not really seeing a, a true champion emerge there that's going to contend for a playoff position spot. Um, I would say the same is likely true out of the Big 12. Oklahoma's the front runner there, but I I do see two losses on their schedule potentially. Um, could that team be a one loss or an undefeated team getting into the playoffs? Certainly um, as a conference champ, but I think we see enough kind of flaws on what they need to return on the defensive side of the ball, um, and they do play tough opponents in Ohio State and Houston um, that could challenge them, and they always seem to pick up a Big 12 loss along the way. Um, and no one else really in the Big 12, you know, we see having that pedigree of getting into the top five. Would you guys agree? Yeah. 
And, I mean, regarding the Pac-12, the only interesting thing to look out there is whether McCaffrey can win the Heisman, but that's about it. Oklahoma, you're right, big question marks on defense, and same thing in offensive line. I know they got Mayfield, Pirine, and Joe Mixon back, but if you don't have a line to protect them, it's going to be a little tougher than it was for them last year. We can keep them on our radar, but, yeah, I don't see any of these teams finishing in the top five. I'd say similar is is likely to be the case with Houston. Um, they're sort of a darling in the group of five playing in the AAC. Um, good quarterback, good offensive system under Tom Herman, but um, I, I see them with one loss, and they're prob- that's probably going to be enough to keep them out. They play OU, as we talked about, and they also play Louisville. So um, tough, probably tough going for Houston, but they may end up in the Big 12 after all said and done, so probably going to be a good outcome for them. Um, and a little bit of a wild card in the national picture this year is Notre Dame, kind of as usual. Um, they have they don't really play any true top ten caliber teams this year. They've got Michigan State, USC, and Stanford, uh, but all those teams seem to be flawed in some way. So um, Notre Dame, you know, from a schedule standpoint, might be able to get it done, might be able to navigate that without a loss. I think that's that's probably what it would take for them to be considered for the playoff and. They, they went, sent enough guys to the league on their defense in terms of a pass rush and um, really solid linebacker core. They lost some key p- offensive pieces as well. So um, might be tricky to pencil Notre Dame in just well, yet. And a few guys that have been kicked off the team for off-the-field issues. So, yeah, they're lacking in several areas. Yep. So um, maybe not necessarily seeing playoff teams coming out of, you know, the, the ranks of the independents or two conferences. Um can open the door for for some other things to happen here, and I think what this is culminating in it looks like there there might be about six teams in the country that that we're we're seeing um, emerge for those four playoff spots. We talked about Florida State already. We think they're they're squarely in that conversation as our Clemson. Uh, but guys, let's move to the Big Ten for a moment. Really, in my mind, it's it's a two team race: Michigan and Ohio State. And I don't really understand all the hype behind Michigan because they really haven't convinced me yet. I understand that, yeah, they went 10-3 and last year, 6-2 and in the conference. They've got Jim Harbaugh, who is a good football coach, and they have recruited well. And I know by the sounds of that you're saying, well, why don't you believe in them? Well, the wins they had last year were against teams that were 60-67. and 67. So their schedule really wasn't that difficult last year and they didn't when they played good teams they lost like Louisville they beat who they should have beaten and they did not right beat the better and their schedule schedule. isn't that much harder this year so they may end up getting into the playoff if they're able to win the conference but it's not because they're a great team yet I don't think they're they're getting there and Harbaugh is a great coach totally because you're the Ohio native Ohio State is probably the biggest enigma in all of college football this year Vegas has them right up there with Clemson to a national championship odds, they're only returning three players on each side of the ball. Um, the game against Michigan is in Columbus, so that bodes well for them. How do you see them projecting this year? This has been the hardest thing for me to decide and calibrate. Um, I grew up in Ohio, so I um, am an Ohio State fan, you know, since birth, that kind of thing. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, at the level at which they recruit, it's kind of they're able generally to plug guys in. Uh, five-star goes to the league. They plug in another five-star coming in. They have a number of guys who also, yes, they're only returning three starters on either side. JT Barrett, the most important position on the field. He's coming back with experience. No question, he is their clear starter. Um, no shenanigans and issues that they had last year. So um, can they get it done? I absolutely think so. But 
you know, this is kind of a coin flip game. Maybe the edge goes to them in Columbus, but at this point, if you gun to my head, I'd have to say Michigan's probably the best team in this conference. I have to agree. Um, and never d- discount Urban Meyer, his ability to plug in guys and make them great right away. 2014, when they won the championship, that wasn't even their year that they were supposed to win. It was just young guys who outperformed or overperformed expectations sooner than later. So, And um, Urban Meyer, I think, tends to do best in these situations. Um, when his team's the clear number one coming into seasons, maybe there's some kind of malaise that goes on with that. And, you know, when they're... When they're not in the top three, I mean, they're coming in with, a, I think, right around a top five ranking. So it's a good point. I can't really it going say they're ways, disrespected, so. but they have a tough schedule. Uh, but they're another team that they could lose to Oklahoma early, and that be their only loss and make it into the playoff. Yeah, not yeah. a daunting Big Ten schedule. Well, and aside from Michigan and Michigan, State. right? And then with the young guys, all the talent they're bringing in. You get that early loss, but they develop over the course of a year, and they become Looks like better. a different team. Exactly, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that's sort of the case in the Big Ten, and you know there could that Michigan Ohio State game, which is going to take place uh, rivalry week, that could very much be two undefeated teams, two top five, two top three teams uh, facing off there. Going to be interesting. Let's flip it over to the SEC. Similar in terms of preseason hype, two horse race, unless you count Tennessee. Guys, let's let's address Tennessee first, though, in the SEC East. I I think Tennessee is a legit contender. I know Clemson fans tend to think we're all high and mighty above Tennessee, but I, I think taking they, their players, yeah, we, hearing we, the Josh Dobbs, <laughs> yeah. Josh Dobbs, and um, Deshaun Watson comparisons, all that. Yeah, yeah, they think they. Some have said that they think he'll be better than Deshaun Watson. Their orange is uglier than ours, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they're they're a good team from top to bottom in the trenches. They look good. Uh, skill positions, they have players. Um, talent all over, and if Josh Dobbs is as good as they say he's going to be, uh, it's it's going to be a really good team, and I think uh, right up there with an LSU or an Alabama in terms of talent and experience. I think the, I mean, in in Knoxville, they feel really good that this is a playoff team. Well, and they have an easy road to the SEC East this year. You know, Georgia and Florida aren't what they used to be, and I think they avoid getting Alabama and LSU during the regular season. Georgia and Florida, the, I, they I host Alabama. They do host Alabama, right? I think Georgia and Florida are, are really underrated a little bit. I think Florida's going to be a good team, a really good team, uh, probably the you know, third or fourth best team in the ACC, and same for Georgia. Uh, I think they'll both be good. Uh, I don't I don't discount them. Then you throw in that SEC West Alabama. That's I mean, it's a pretty formidable schedule. But those two teams, Georgia and Florida, aren't nearly what LSU and Alabama are. Yeah. Not to say it's an easy schedule by any means. It's, it's tougher than ours. So Listen, this Tennessee defense only gave up 20 points a game last year. They got nine starters back on defense, and you combine that with Josh Dobbs and Alvin Kamara and Jalen Hurd on their offense. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna be a pretty good team. They could be the wild card this year that they win the SEC East, and then ultimately I think the only thing keeping them out at that point if they go undefeated is a loss in the SEC championship game. And that's where it comes down a little bit to you have three teams jockeying um, a, a, in, the, in the SEC. Does one of them, you know, come up with a loss? Uh, like a, does Tennessee lose in the against Alabama? And but that's their one loss for the season. But um, then do they beat Alabama in, in Atlanta? You know, you could you could see sort of a and we look no further than 2011 where um, LSU beat Alabama in the regular season. They went on to win the um, the SEC outright. Alabama got into the natty and then ultimately beat LSU. So like, this is a way you get two SEC teams into the playoff 
is if Alabama beats them during the regular season and then Tennessee beats them in the SEC championship game and both teams have one loss. Yeah, that's there's a case for that. And I think there's a sentiment, too, around uh, this SEC country that Alabama is not necessarily going to take a step back, but their schedule's so rugged. Uh, they've just kind of a year where they may take a step back where they, you know, it's not necessarily a bad team, but you just, you, they're playing in Death Valley, LSU's Death Valley. You come away with two, three losses. I think three is probably a tall order. Two might even be a, be out of reach for this Alabama team. I mean, the Nick Saban machine moves on. They had another number one recruiting class. Uh, you lose Derrick Henry, but you plug in another guy that's, you know, a stud at running back. And I think the defensive line is probably where they'll they'll miss um, the most talent. Doesn't look like any of the preseason, you know, offseason arrests or legal drama in Louisiana is going to impact them at all. <laughs> um, anyway, I mean, Alabama's going to be great. Like, you can't count them out. The, the Enigma team for me in the SEC this year is going to be LSU. And we know the talent that they bring year to year. Uh, they hired Dave Aranda, former defensive coordinator from Wisconsin, uh, to come in and lead the defense after Kevin Steele left. People are pretty high on LSU's defense. Leonard Fournette comes back. Um, Heisman hopeful, had a great start to last season, kind of tapered off. Guys, like, do you think LS, this is LSU's year to upset Alabama in Baton Rouge and take care of business? I, it has the makings of it because they do play in Baton Rouge. And... I, it's a team that's similar to Florida State in that they have a quarterback issue, but if that they figure that out, it is a dangerous, dangerous team with playmakers all around. Uh, a you know one of the best running backs, Dalvin Cook and Fournette are two of the best running backs we've seen uh, in, in years, and combine that with McCaffrey, the year of the running back. But uh, just a, a very, very good team that's very scary if they did, if Brandon Harris figures it out at quarterback. Yeah, and they got 10 guys returning on defense. So, I mean, the big question here is, can LSU win despite Les Miles? Right. And um, he was nearly fired last season, very much on the hot seat this year to get it done. Like, is that pressure going to be too much uh, for them to handle throughout this year? And just his odd decision-making at times. I mean, they've, they've, they've got the talent there, so see what they can do. They've done it before. Well, we sort of laid the, the groundwork, guys, to get to decision-making time of who we expect to put into the playoff here. Um, there's two questions. Number one, like, who do you want? Who do you think we match up well against? Um, where, if it was going to be that first-round game, probably Clemson would go to the Peach Bowl against a number of these opponents. Um, maybe we can go through, and then, you know, of course I'd love to hear just in general what you think is going to play out. Like, Cody, who's your playoff top four? And, you know, if you had your druthers, who would you like to face? So my brother asked me, he's in some kind of pool, he asked who my top four is, and I said, I have no idea, it's, it's either like it's the best of the Big Ten, the best of the SEC West, and then the best of the ACC, but uh, I would like to face Notre Dame or Oklahoma if I could have it my way, <laughs> but who I think it'll be, I, I think Michigan in the Big Ten, uh, Alabama, go with the safe pick in the SEC, and I'm going to go with Clemson, of course, and then one other team, Florida State. Yeah, for me, I've got Clemson, best offense in the country. Definitely some questions on defense, so we got a lot of talented guys there. I've got Ohio State in there over Michigan. I don't think they have an incredibly tough schedule. I don't think Michigan State's the same team they were last year. Um, and again, I think they could lose to Oklahoma and still get in. I've actually got LSU. I believe in LSU. Just so many starters returning on D, and Leonard Fournette is just a, such a dynamic running back. And Alabama just has a really tough schedule. Um, and let's face it, SEC has to get one team in, right? I've got FSU as well. Um, I think if they can get their 
uh, quarterback situation ironed out, that they're going to be really good. They're, they're scheduled. They have a very tough schedule, but I think it sets them up well, more so than us, to sustain a loss and get in. They've got versus Ole Miss at Louisville versus North Carolina at Miami versus Clemson versus Florida. You lose any one of those games but still beat all those other teams, that's a heck of a resume. And let's, let's be clear about picking two teams from the same conference. It's not that we believe that's the way it should be. It's just a criteria the selection committee has set forth. And it's just the way things are seem to be shaken out in, in you know August. Um, who are your picks, Tully? Yeah, um, I think I'll probably – I forget what, what your exact teams were, Cody. Um, I, I agree with the Michigan selection. Um, hard for me to say that. I think they'll, they'll make it through possibly with one loss and win the Big Ten outright. Um, I don't think the Big Ten West opponent is going to challenge any of the teams that come out on the other side. Um, Clemson or FSU, ACC winner is obviously in. Um, and then I'm going Alabama as well. I'm not not believing the LSU um, hype. I also don't think Tennessee is going to be, be able to beat Alabama twice um, to get through, let alone once. Probably won't even beat them once. Um, and I also don't think we'll see two teams from the same conference get in. So I'm going to say Oklahoma is going to be the fourth playoff team. Um, so I'm, I, f- I feel bullish in Clemson making it through, um, getting it done in Tallahassee. But I, I guess, so those are our playoff picks. Um, before we make like our national championship selection, and I'll pencil Clemson in for that, um, <laughs> let's talk about if Clemson was to sustain one loss. What would it take for us to make it into the playoff uh, you know, over, let's say, a conference champion elsewhere. Um, and I, I sort of came up with a little bit of like a thesis or a bulleted list of who I, what I think needs to happen for Clemson to get through there. Um, obviously, we can only have the one loss. And chances are that loss is happening in Tallahassee. Certainly, we could lose to Auburn and run the table, and that would likely get us in. That's kind of the easy path with one loss. We're talking about the challenging. You've lost to Florida State. You're not your conference champion. How do you set up well to be there and I think the answer to that is you need two conferences at least let's say the Big 12 and the Pac-12 where their conference champion has two losses or more has a less impressive resume than a Clemson I think um, Clemson so that we have to dominate I think you also need Florida State to be dominant to almost be a number one team uh, would you guys agree with that yeah I'd say so I mean for me I think FSU, because of their schedule, like I mentioned, has an easier path to the to the playoff with one loss than we do. Um, and I actually think our most difficult path to the playoff with one loss, loss is if that loss is to FSU. We lose to Auburn. That's the first game of the season. We run the table. I think we're good. We lose to Louisville. We can still win the ACC because I can see them getting two ACC losses. We lose to FSU. We can't win the F, the the ACC because they're not going to lose twice. Two more times, and right. then we would need to dominate other teams on our schedule and really hope things shake out in other conferences. So there's a lot more hope in that scenario. So, yeah, I think honestly, losing to Auburn or Louisville is gives us an easier path if we run the table after that. Also, if we lose in the ACC championship game, I think it depends squarely on how we played our other games during the season. And, again, how things shake out in other conferences. Again, it has the year where some of the top guys, top teams, I'm sorry, coming out of the Pac-12, the Big uh, Big 12, are going to be really lackluster. So it could shake out in a number of ways that you just mentioned, Ben, where we could still emerge with one loss, regardless if we play that ACC championship game or not. And, you know, a scenario that I'd love to avoid if we 
if we do unfortunately lose in Tallahassee is we're a one loss team. We've got such a great case to make it in, you know, as a top four team overall. But then you've got an Ohio State or a Michigan or an LSU or an Alabama that's in the same boat as us. And then you're just comparing quality of wins. That's when, you know, conference biases and all that can come back to bite us. And when you've got a Wake and or a BC and Georgia Tech game in Dublin that's like a three to zero game, you know, that weighs heavily in the mind of people, that could come back to bite you in those scenarios. So I agree. You, you just have to look the part. The The committee watches the games. If we look the part, and I, and everyone knows what I mean, everyone wants to put, you know, place these like templates of the way things should be, but it's not necessarily like that. If, if, we, if we're blowing teams out by 50 points, we lose one game in Tallahassee by like a field goal late in the game. We're still a, we're still a top four team by their criteria, the four best teams. That should still makes us mm-hmm. one of the best four. So. so the question is, do you think we look the part? I think, no, I think we will. <laughs> yeah, I think we will look the part. Yeah, and let's let's pivot there to just our expectations and outcomes for this season for this Clemson team. Um, we've all got them in the playoff, and I think that's that's on merit. That's because this may well be the very best team in the country when you put everything together. We all agreed they're likely to be better than last year's team on the strength of an improved offensive group and the defense not take, taking a larger step back than that improvement. Um, do we foresee matchups in the playoffs that we've outlined as potential losses in those games. I'm I think I'm most worried about Florida State if Dan, DeAndre Francois is is uh, a poor man's Jameis Winston. If he is that, I think that is the probably the toughest matchup in the nation uh, assuming uh, you know Alabama starting quarterback is in the next Peyton Manning. I think that's probably our toughest matchup and it just so happens to also be in Tallahassee. So uh, earlier in the year. Yeah. Um I, I think we match up favorably against Alabama. You saw what Deshaun Watson was able to do to them last year. That it, They're not going to be bad at all on the defensive line, but they're not going to be historically good. So I think we match up well there. I uh, like us against Michigan. I think we have more talent as of right now. Um, same with Ohio State. Yeah, for me, I think for the teams that I had in, I think we're more talented than Ohio State. I would put us above them. LSU, I, I still think because of the quality of our offense overall, at, at that point during the year, if we're – in that position, that means all these young new guys that we have on defense have really grown up and are playing high quality uh, football, and that puts us in a really good position to win. Same thing with FSU. I mean, this could be think about it. it could be a possible rematch in either the playoff or the national championship game with FSU. How incredible would that be? And then, even if we will have won the first time, I'm still not going to be uh, feeling good. They're actually in that scenario. That would be actually the team to me the most. Even if we beat them before, that that would scare me. Yeah, absolutely. I could see Clemson, Florida State being the top two teams in the country, um, possibly by a decent and, stretch. And I'd rather avoid playing a team twice, especially if we beat them the first time. If we lose to them the first time, then I want a little bit of revenge. But if we beat them the first time, I want to kind of leave it to that and be like, all right, we took care of business there. Let's get somebody else. And so it's it's looking like an ACC, uh, all-ACC <laughs> championship. Called, oh, we, we're we terrible. come a long way in three years, We are right? terrible, terrible homers. <laughs> Indeed. Um so what are we thinking, guys? 15-0, 14-1, Clemson National Champions. I'm just going to go 15-0. I can't, I can't say 14-1. Well, last year we all conservatively picked us to win like 10 games, go 10-3, and three, something like that. I think we all had like two losses. Two, two losses, 10-2. Yeah. 
so things started playing out. We started feeling better. And we're like, oh, crap, can this team actually go to the national championship game? And there was a lot of flaws in that team last year, like you mentioned earlier, Cody, that you don't normally see after national champions. But I think by the end of the year that we were playing on a really, really elite level, and you saw that play out in the national championship game itself where only a few mistakes really cost us. I think the team learns from those mistakes this year. Again, best offense in the country, and I really do believe that these young guys on defense, because we have been bringing in so much talent and we have such a great defensive coordinator in Brent Venables, that, yeah, this team goes 15-0, wins the national championship. Took the words right out of my mouth. Um, The team takes a step forward. Deshaun Watson, who's had a full offseason, um, healthy to develop. He's gained 15 pounds of muscle. Studied that playbook. They're designing plays directly for his skill set. Offensive coaches, another year in their system and in their roles. I mean, it's incredible what we got done last year with those guys as rookie OCs. Brent Venables, you know, you mentioned his capability of developing talent. Um, and all of the position group coaches are back for another year here. Uh, so good things are about to unfold for Clemson. We're super excited. Um, that's been our previews, guys. We just predicted national championship for Clemson. I mean, this would be a lot more dramatic if uh, Tiger Rag was playing in the background right now. Can you cue that up? <laughs> we can overlay it, potentially here. Um, and, and this, I don't think it's hype this year. I think last year, if you would have said that Clemson was going to win the national championship, you could really... A little bit more homerism to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we have proof. We have evidence now. Vegas and, says as much. Uh, don't believe in Vegas... It's a myth to me, but I, I just think looking at what this, this <laughs> team has in later episode. and how this this schedule sets up for us, I think we're, we're we're due for big things. And again, you have Deshaun Watson that that kid's amazing. Well, guys, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, long one today, but hopefully you were entertained and enjoyed it. Um, please do us a favor: tell a friend about the podcast, subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting app, um, leave us a review on iTunes if you can as well. Stay tuned for more. We record weekly. Um, You're going to hear our Auburn preview coming out in a few days here. Anything to add, guys? Uh, One more thing. I predict Deshaun Watson to win the Heisman. Cody, who's your Heisman winner? Wayne Goleman. Got a lot of making up to do. (laughs) Nice. Hunter Renfro. Um, Well, that's all we had for today, guys. Thank you so much. And go Tigers. Let's get one.